Welcome again to the Driving You Crazy podcast as we plow into uncharted waters. Of course, we don't recommend that you do that in your car. Turn around and don't drown, right? Boating You Crazy, the podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm producer Joseph Peters. How are you doing today, Jason? I am lovely. Lovely as lovely can be. Uh, here is the newest thing, though, I heard. It's called uh, Hear a Roar, Get Indoors. Okay. Uh, that's to remind you, especially the kids, if they hear thunder, to go inside. That or there's a tiger on the loose. <laughs> One of the two. That would be a different kind of roar, I think, than thunder, right? I would say so. Or yeah. a bear or a mountain lion. The old MGM lion growling before the James Bond movies, right? Different than Bigfoot? Yes. Yes. Anywho, look who the skunk drug in. <laughs> Welcome, Denver 7 anchor reporter, but most importantly, the captain of the Driving You Crazy podcast fan club. Nicole Brady. It's the lovely and talented Nicole Brady, everybody. Ow, ow. Thank you. So Nicole, what, what brings you Is in? it drugging or dragged in? I don't know. I'm not a linguist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like how high the bars go on the audio booth here oh, you when do? you talk, Jason. Yeah, I, uh, I'm loud. That's about twice as high as my levels usually I don't in, have wh- a, in here I tracking, don't have a, yeah. I don't have a quiet voice. No. That's true. No, we're <laughs> glad. We're glad of it. So uh, yes, I love listening to this podcast. I am so excited to be on it for the first time ever. The first podcast I have ever been on of any type. Uh, so, yeah, how's it going? Oh, it's great. Joseph was very interested in a story that you did the other day. This skunk story was fantastic. I don't know if our viewers got a chance to check this out, but this family had skunks in I mean, I guess I'll just let you tell it. They had skunks in their home, and now they're paying the price, literally. It's, it, was, it was crazy. These are friends of my sister's, so that's how I found out about the story. And they had skunk, a skunk, it was just one skunk, came into an open door. They decided to open up the doors, let some fresh air in, and their dog heard something, went out there, chased the skunk in, and immediately the skunk sprayed two of their dogs, and then it sprayed their dining room, ran over, sprayed their living room, and then hid under a couch and stayed there and sprayed more, and it was 10 o'clock at night, so they couldn't get anyone to come out quickly enough to get the skunk out. And they didn't want to approach it because they thought maybe it has rabies, which some skunks have tested positive for rabies recently. So they left it there. They called the police. Broomfield police came out. Police apparently wouldn't even go into the house. They're not supposed to get near anything hazardous like that. And they considered the skunk <laughs> Yet hazardous they'll throw themselves enough. in front of a bullet. Yeah, a I, I, I couldn't right? believe it. So the police officer wouldn't even go in. He helped them find an over a 24-hour exterminator. Finally, they got the skunk out. And by then, their floor had been sprayed with that liquid that the skunk sprays. Because it's not just smell. It's a liquid. And they sprayed the, it sprayed the curtains. It sprayed the couches. Uh, so they had to get rid of all their furniture. Uh, some people asked why they didn't just clean it. Well, they had the professional cleaners come in. It's the people who come do smoke uh, rehab yeah, right. after a fire. They came in. They they did ventilation in the house and cleaning of ozone treatments and things like that. And they took the furniture to clean it. They called them back and said, we can't. You're not going to want this back. We are never going to get the smell out of this. <laughs> yeah, so they couldn't take the furniture back. So they were they were talking about, you know, the cost of all this. They had lost all their furniture, the curtains, they had to repaint the walls, they might have to replace their floors if it if it got in and soaked in bad enough into the wood floors. Maybe that won't happen, but um but they were at about nine thousand dollars so far. And they found out 
that insurance doesn't cover odor the same way it would cover some other type of damage to your home. And the reason for that is that the skunk liquid that's causing the smell problem isn't actually damaging the floor, right? It's perfectly good yeah. floor. It just smells, and the furniture's still okay. It right. just smells. So I talked to, yeah, and I talked to an insurance industry person, the Rocky Mountain Insurance Information Association a spokesperson. Carol Walker was her name. And she said this is pretty common. And it's not like they don't understand and feel sorry for the homeowners who who they understand yes your couch is a loss it's damage but the insurance just we all know homeowners insurance doesn't cover everything mm-hmm. and this is a case where they just don't cover odor damage so they do consider that a vapor or odor damage they don't consider it the same as if a, a wild animal got into your house and ripped things apart so they would have been better off if the skunk yeah. had actually like gone in and gotten claws and everything and torn <laughs> up their furniture than what it wound up doing which arguably is a much much worse situation. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's exactly what she said, that Yikes. yes, if the skunk had torn up the walls, torn up the couches, that might have been covered. If this happened to me, I would make sure that the skunk would have started a fire, <laughs> burned the house down, and then you could start over again. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the only way you're going to get the smell out, right? Oh, yeah. Is to burn the place down. That's It's it's just a crazy story to me. <laughs> yeah. And you think about, like, I can't imagine this family at 10 o'clock at night trying to they weren't even trying to catch the skunk, right? They have kids, young yeah, children. Yeah, they have kids. They were worried it had rabies, possibly. The husband told me later, he's like, I, I guess in hindsight, I wish I would have ch- tried to chase it out, gotten a broom and, and chased it out of there. But he was scared to do that. Um, and and animal control officials with Broomfield said he was probably smart not to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though the damage was most likely, further damage was caused by it being in there for so long, it was probably better that nobody got bit or right. their dogs didn't get bit and now, die. you went into the home for the interview, right? Yes. So what did it smell like when you were inside It was the a home? week later already. Okay. And they had just repainted the day before. So you could smell paint over skunk smell. That's pretty <laughs> much what it smelled like. I would not... It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like a fresh skunk odor like we've all smelled. Most of us have. Um, you know, most of us have been close enough to a skunk spray to know what that smells like right off the bat. But you could smell that sort of like, yeah, this was this smells like there was a skunk mm-hmm. in the house at some point. Yeah, I think my, most of mine was either driving by the skunk roadkill yeah. yep. or I had one of those little scratch and sniff things where you scratch and the sniff and it has a skunk <laughs> s- smell, yeah. right? That was never quite the same as having a real An skunk smell. real live skunk in your area. It was bad enough, though. Well, have you ever been sprayed, either of you or no. Joseph? You s- we, we, we would drive by roadkill. I've never been personally sprayed. I always heard it was tomato juice, but you can't tomato juice the walls and floors of your house. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's just, not going to work. I, 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 no, they said that, that they tried that with the dogs because they had to give their dogs 17 baths to get, <laughs> the, to get the smell. The dogs smelled fine. I smelled both dogs. Uh, but they had to give here, them that. Here, dog, come here. I want to smell yeah, you. Yeah, right. Wanna... Uh, but they said the tomato juice didn't work. They had to get order stuff online to to bathe them in, and they took them to PetSmart and took did the whole de skunking bath that they do there. And it was uh, and the kids smelled like skunk. They said their clothes. Uh, they had to go to school the next day smelling like skunk because this their was their last. Oh, yeah. It was their last of day of school the next day. Yikes! So and there's there's no way for them to recoup their money. I mean, they can't sell the furniture. Obviously, nobody would want it, and the insurance company's not going to come in and help them out either. So they're kind of out of luck. Yeah, where the story kind of where we left it off there, they they could possibly appeal still to the state insurance board or whoever would be in charge of possibly looking at their case. 
case a little more. I mean, they could try to get a lawyer, I guess, and see about that. Um, but that might just cost more. And then um, they do have a GoFundMe page that friends set up for them. So it's the Britons, B-R-I-T-T-O-N, de-skunk their home or something. <laughs> if you if you search for that, you might find it. Or if you look at for this story on our website, uh, they they do have a GoFundMe page, and I think a couple thousand dollars had already been raised to help them out. So they're a really great family. They had they have five kids, two of them adopted, Uh-oh. just a great welcoming home, and they were a little too welcoming, I guess. With the, and of course, this story like, has nothing to do with traffic or transportation, no. but we like you. And we're and we're glad that you're a big fan of the show, and, and so we wanted to have you in. And Thank you have you. to you have to go on Facebook and watch the teaser trailer for this story. It is the funniest <laughs> thing you'll see all day. They do use animated skunks in the teaser. It is priceless. <laughs> the teaser is awesome. I will say that was my favorite part of the whole experience. I think, and uh, I hope the family uh, does get something back from this. But it got me on this podcast, so there you go. I really you go. can't complain. Yay, Yay thanks, guys. <laughs> there she goes. All right, I'll be listening to the rest of Perfect. it. Perfect. Thank you, Nicole. Brady, everybody. There she goes. And now she's uh, cleared the room. (laughs) I love Nicole. Nicole's great. That that poor family, Jason. (laughs) I can't. I cannot even imagine what they must be going through. Aside from the smelly household. Well, should we plod on with the podcast here? Away we plod. Apparently, the biggest issue in Spain has been resolved. They, they have fixed everything that there is to fix in Spain. They must really be the, the best-run country in the entire world. Everything is working so great in Spain that this is their biggest complaint right now. I, I say all this because the municipal transportation company in Madrid has taken a stand against manspreading. Banning men from indulging in the rude leg-extending move on its trains and buses. This is the biggest transportation story of the week so far, Joseph. I believe it. Here's how it's going down. The public transportation operators in Madrid installed these new signs in all its trains and buses, which they hope will stop the personal space encroaching practice. Yeah, signs! That'll be the perfect way to stop them! Signs! Yeah! Throw them off the bus. Get off my bus with your man spreading. Signs always work! (laughs) Blocking the scenery... (laughs) Uh, The the secret weapon is the new posters that illustrate the improper manspreading technique. In case you didn't know what manspreading is all about, the posters show a man sitting down, spreading his legs wide apart while on a metro seat, and they put a giant red X indicating this is unacceptable. Everyone knows the giant red X, Joseph. Everyone knows it. The giant red X. The accompanying text asks passengers to respect the space of others. I have a question for you, personally personal question why do dudes do this uh i'll get to that in a minute okay the new poster will sit alongside other posters that are supposed to educate passengers about other inappropriate behavior when on public transport like no smoking no eating don't litter and no putting your stinky bear or shooed feet on the seats officials say they had to do this because of months a group of women have been protesting the government and they even started a petition called Hashtag Madrid Sin Manspreading, or for us here in English land, hashtag Madrid without manspreading. The hashtag went viral on social media, and the group presented the petition to Madrid's mayor and regional president. The petition stated, quote, It's common to see women with their legs shut and very uncomfortable because there is a man next to them who is invading their space with his legs, unquote. 
They describe their behavior as, quote, exhibition of machismo and a microaggression that can make the person suffering it uncomfortable, unquote. Look, guys are not that bright, ladies. They're doing this because they're tired, they're lazy, and they're most importantly comfortable. That's why people, that's why men do things what they do. Nothing more, nothing less. Exhibition of machismo. Seriously. Honestly. Really? And to say that the people around their manspreaders are suffering, that's a bit much. I mean, honestly. I could agree with maybe putting up with or tolerating, but suffering from manspreading? You suffer? You know I'm going to have to disagree with you now, right? Yeah, go ahead. I'm Like, look. I'm not saying that every guy is doing this consciously, but if you're trying to tell me that there are not men on this earth that get onto the bus and deliberately sit with their legs spread out so nobody will sit next to them because they want to be a jerk and take up more space, that's what's happening. I mean, that is what's happening in some of these cases. And the people next to them, especially if a guy sits down next to a woman and immediately decides he's going to mark his territory by splaying his legs all the way out like a wishbone. Right. And this woman is supposed to say what to him? Excuse me, sir. Please close your legs. That's going to get her nowhere. You're giving these guys way too much credit. You're giving them too little credit. You you really think that these guys are going in with the forethought? I'm going to sit on this bus and damn it. Nobody's going to sit next to me and I'm going to spread these legs as far as they go. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I absolutely. And these are the same kind of dudes that when you sit in the buses that have rows where each each row has two seats in it, yeah. they sit in the aisle seat to, because they know that nobody's brave enough to ask them for the window seat. So they wind up getting two seats to themselves. And that's a thing, too. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. You know? No, oh, I know people that do that. But this is like, let's say you're sitting on one of those instead of the bus seats that are the train seats that, that face forward, they're the ones that sit sideways. And so you might have a row of, let's say, three or four. And then the guy's sitting there, legs wide open. Oh, I've done that. I've done that. Where like you're in the back row of the bus and it goes three wide yeah. and like you sit right in the middle seat, you spread those legs out wide, nobody's coming on either side of you. It's like you got a whole bench to yourself. Well, yeah. And you think that's gonna be that's that you doing that, you're doing that as a discouragement for anybody else to come up there, or are you just sitting there comfortably letting it all hang out? I'm gonna say about forty percent from column A and sixty percent from column B there, sir. Did you know New York City was actually one of the first cities to stand up against manspreading, launching their campaign back a couple of years ago? They call it, dude, please stop the spreading. Listen to this. New York police officers actually went as far as arresting offenders who didn't comply, but the eventual charges were dropped just because, well, it's stupid. Uh, I mean, come on. You're not breaking any real laws, are you? Just doing something that's frowned upon. At last check, this is America. Isn't this America? Or you can't be arrested for just being rude? Well, maybe you can be. <laughs> Look, as I was reading this story a couple days ago, I looked up from my desk, and on one of my TVs there, there was the Dr. Oz show. And so Dr. Oz was sitting on the couch with two women and, and, and another man. Both the guy and Dr. Oz, they were both out there manspreading while the ladies were tight-legged and sitting properly. Dr. Oz is a manspreader. There you have it. Break out the signs in protest, Joseph. We're going to protest Dr. Oz as a man-spreader. Good. Do you think he was trying to keep other people off his couch, the audience from rushing up there? And I thought Oz got his own seat on that show. Well, no, he had he had these two, like, couches. It okay. was in a... I don't know. what, what you, you can't see this podcast, so I'm doing this. Like a V. <clears throat> two couches and a V. Okay. I see what yeah. you're saying. We will not rest 
until he is on the right side of this issue, Joseph. We're not going to rest until he sees things your way. Good. That manspreader is... Spread no more, Oz. I can't believe it. You actually give these guys that much credit? I, I Yes. I've ridden on too many buses in the past three years. I know that these people are out here. I know it's deliberate. They do it on planes. These are the same people who are like me that take both armrests when they're sitting in the middle seat as a show. Of, like it's a, it's a microaggression, right? Like you're not trying to do anything too far out of the ordinary. You just want everybody to know that you're the man in the situation. And I, you know, somebody's got to put these men back in their place. Well, all I hear around town is bike lanes, bike lanes, bike lanes, bike lanes. They're, they're being installed on this street and that street, and don't park in the new bike lane, and the bike lane is going to make our city so much better. And Ooh, it's Ride Your Bike to Work Day again for the 100th day this year, and why don't you get on your bike, and why don't you even know how to ride a bike? Can you even ride a bike? I'm, I'm pretty good, actually, at riding a bike. Uh, I just choose to drive because uh, I have to be here at work at 3.30 in the morning, and I live 25 miles away, and there's no way I am riding a bike in the middle of the night to get to work. When I lived and worked downtown years ago, yeah, it was easy. I rode my bike to work. Yeah, that was great. No problem. Because they also wanted to charge $70 a month for parking, which was ridiculous. Anyway, uh, so there's many people who ride their bikes around town. I get it. Especially this time of year because the weather is pretty nice. But as more and more people are riding their bikes, guess, guess what the inevitable consequences are? Go ahead. I don't know the answer. More injuries. And according to a study published this past week in the journal Injury Prevention... It's one of my favorite publications, by the <laughs> that way. That one delivered on my doorstep every week. <laughs> it estimates that in the past 20 years, the medical cost for non-fatal crashes involving bikes increased by an average of $789 million each year. And in 2013 alone, the total costs were twenty, nearly $25 billion. That's about double the amount for all occupational illnesses. That was very difficult to say. So there you go. The conclusion I come to is get on your bike and get crushed and enjoy not only the broken hip, but also thousands of dollars in medical bills. Yay! Save the environment, baby. One bike at a time. There was a person on a bike killed last week when he was riding down a busy road uh, here on the south side of town. Apparently, uh, he swerved a bit out of the bike lane and was hit by a car and died right there in the road. And I think that, still, the best place for people who are riding bikes is when they're separated from vehicles. Obviously, it's becoming more and more dangerous to drive, and that's with all the protections in your car, with all these crazies that are driving around you. I'd be frightened to ride a bike, especially in downtown Denver. I'd be, it'd be crazy. I mean, like I said, I used to do it when it was 20 years ago, when there were fewer people out there. I, I would have second thoughts now of doing it. If cities are going to force these bike lanes on us, I'd prefer that they're barrier-separated, and, and, and so they can stay out of the way of the cars and vice versa. It's going to make it safer, right? The story continued saying, despite the bad news about the medical and cost consequences, the researchers say they still thought cycling's health benefits outweighed the risks. But the study findings show that there should be a policy focus on injury prevention, adding that better design of roadway infrastructure and even bike lanes and cars might be in order. Yes, better design in the form of separated roadways. Right? I, look... Bicyclists don't care about rules in the same way that drivers do. They just don't. They go when the light is red because they don't care. They don't stay in their bike lanes. They choose to go on sidewalks because they don't care. The Cherry Creek Trail is right there, but they choose to ride their bike on spear anyway because they don't care. That's the problem. Until bicyclists take the rules of the road as seriously as drivers do, 
Yeah, they're going to get involved in more accidents. I saw some guy riding on the sidewalk downtown when I was trying to get across some of these streets. And then he was on the sidewalk, and then he looks at me like I'm doing something wrong yep. just driving down the road. Mm-hmm. And then he's driving across the sidewalks. I can't even tell you how many times. Uh, literally, there is a bike lane on the Cherry Creek Trail. Bikes are supposed to yes. be there. I cannot tell you how many times I've almost been smoked by a bicycle between 11th and 6th going on Spear. Because the bikes choose not to use a Cherry Creek Trail and instead ride right on the Spear sidewalks. That's not where they're supposed to be. We built a bike trail and a, and a path for that specific reason. And you're, you're putting other lives in danger by weaving your bike in and out of what's a very narrow sidewalk that really only has room for pedestrians. Maybe that's why you should wear your uh, bodysuit of armor. And oh. then you can just give them, chuck them right there in the shoulder, and then off they go. Real talk, though. We're about 20 years away from people, from the government being like, you know, you should really wear your helmet when you're walking on the sidewalk. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Nanny Reminds state. me, actually, the story that I read last month about how someone decided to create a rogue protected bike lane in Wichita. What they did is they took a bunch of these plungers and, along the painted lines, and they stuck the plungers in the road there. And it actually it made this like impromptu protective barrier there, and they put this reflective tape on there, and it created this safety barrier between the riders and traffic. Right there. We have bike lanes that separate the riders from traffic. They want it. The bikers want it. Right. We all want to be safe. We Do just we? want to get from point A to point B. Do we? Yes. Allegedly. All right. Coming up, the story of a person who risked a parking ticket to do the safe thing. That story and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Lisa Hidalgo, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with the crazy himself, Jason Luber. You know, angry might not be the best word to describe Jason Luber, uh, but he he gets fired up and passionate about minor traffic topics even. And and so the major ones, it's even more fun. But he tells us all about uh, traffic issues in other states and other countries and these weird stories that come out of these places. You'd, you'd never believe how they handle some of their situations. Some of it maybe we could apply here in Colorado. And that, that's why I like to listen to the podcast, because I really actually learn something about traffic and roads and the system in our state. And it makes me want to do better. It makes me want to demand better. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Being out in the field is fun because it's different every day. You really don't know kind of what you're going to walk into in some cases, which can be interesting. Uh, But you get to meet a million different people and you get to hear their stories and then tell their stories, which is a really cool, both part of the job, but also really cool part of what we do on the morning show specifically. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy podcast, where we cut through the transportation stories easier than Steph Curry or Kevin Durant cuts through the Cavaliers' defense. Could be one of the best teams of all time, don't you think? Yeah. You're remarkable. 
I, I had a comparison for this. It's like me going to Nine News and taking credit for 40 years of ratings victories. Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. <laughs> Would you like some water to swallow that bitter pill? I'm just saying, man. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Durant, proof that taking the easy way out comes with championship rings. Well, it, it didn't Ray Bork do the same thing when he came to the Avs for that one year? He was traded. But didn't he, what, didn't he want to be and do the whole thing? I mean, come on. 20 years for... This is this is not the driving you crazy while we split hairs podcast. So I'm just oh. going to put this conversation to the side. But no, not the same thing. <laughs> Last week I mentioned it was National Tire Safety Week, and you said maybe Windshield Wiper Appreciation Month is coming up. Actually, I learned there's actually a National Change Your Windshield Wiper Day. It's celebrated on on guess what day? Bill Murray's favorite day of the year. Yep, February second, better known as Groundhog's Day. That's why nobody knows about it. Shut up. <laughs> yes. But here on February 2nd, it will be forever. We're going to change it. We don't care about Groundhog's Day. Punxsutawney Phil can go pack it. It will be now forever. Windshield Wipers Day on the Driving You Crazy podcast every February 2nd. We'll remind you next February 2nd, too, to change your windshield wipers. <laughs> Write it down. Getting a parking ticket, obviously, is pretty aggravating, right? And most people will do anything to avoid getting one. But after a long night for a person in Wisconsin, he figured a parking ticket was worth the price of not taking the risk of driving in the state he was in and left the car in a metered space. But before walking home, the owner, in an attempt to avoid the dreaded parking ticket, left a note on the car pleading with any officer that might stop by and give the car a ticket to, quote, take pity. Now, the note said, please take pity on me. I walked home. Safe choices. And and they drew a smiley face on there. So Officer Jim Hellrod, he he saw the car. He was going to write a ticket, but then he read the note that was left on the car, and in his best judgment, he decided to grant the request. He wrote on the parking ticket, pity granted, just a warning, fine, zero dollars. There you go. In a Facebook post, the police department wrote that Officer Hellwood can appreciate people making safe choices and a good sense of humor. Is it Hellwood or Hellrod? Does it matter? Does it matter? I guess not. I like these stories of an officer doing good, rewarding a responsible person who decided to walk rather than drive, in no matter what state they were in. Did they not want to drive because they'd had too much to drink, because they were tired, know. just because it was Wisconsin? Is well, that-, <laughs> <laughs> that was that part of the story, and I checked several sources, and uh, and it was, it was not clear. Interesting. But, uh, hey. Rock on, man. There you go. There's no doubt that the United States of America is a treasure trove of awesome and amazing natural beauty is it right not a question in the world you know what else america is a treasure trove of long ass roads with absolutely nothing on them i see you utah (laughs) i-16 from macon to savannah Mm -hmm. that's a rough one so you want to drive on these roads usually as quickly as possible and i remember on i-16 the speed limit was still like 55 it was horrible happily nevada recently implemented a new 80 mile an hour speed limit on 130 miles section of Interstate 80 up northeast of Reno. Want to know why? Because nothing out there except sands and cactus and dead gangsters. All of this true. This new speed limit raised from 75 will help drivers, get this, save an extra six and a half minutes. Yes, Joseph, I did the math on that, and I know it's right. I'm good at math. <laughs> and it, well, that's if you're going 75 compared to 80. Nevada now joins the exclusive club of states that permit speeds of greater than 75 on a few highways and interstates, which includes Idaho, Montana, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. 
The highest here in Colorado is still 75. They could raise that speed limit on that road northeast of Reno up to 100. You still wouldn't see any car accidents. There is nothing northeast of Reno. Well, and I don't know if they still have it, but I thought Montana had the speed limit along some of the roads as reasonable and prudent. I believe that sounds right. We would have to fact check that, but I believe that. Because that's, that's one of those areas where it is. there's just nothing out there. But I think they were having people go like 150 or whatever, and they said, all right, you... But that's not, I guess you would say that's not reasonable nor prudent. Doesn't that sound like a good vacation for us, though, the Driving You Crazy podcast live in 120 miles an hour in Montana? <laughs> there you go. Speaking of speeding, there are drivers who speed down my neighborhood street. I, I've been so mad at them. Sometimes I either toss a tennis ball out of the garage into the street to make the driver think that a kid might be chasing that ball, and then they'll slow down, and usually they do. My hope is that they'll think of that possibility that a kid will be there in the future and not go so fast down my street, but I don't think it's really working. Uh, I think I'm giving those drivers too much credit, like you give the uh, manspreaders so much credit. Uh, I have also flagged them down, some people, if they're going really fast, and I asked them personally to slow down, and, and some of them get actually torqued off at me. Uh, anyway, some of those confrontations have been a little bit tense. Now, now, this all leads me to this story out of Las Vegas that I saw today where some people living on the far east side of town say the speeding has gotten so bad on their road, they're taking matters into their own hands. They put these huge rocks in the middle of the road along with some of these uh, cones to get drivers to slow down. Not just in one spot, but two spots. What they're doing is, is what they think, is, is just making this... I guess it's an impromptu speed bump. One resident said people just don't speed down that street, but they race going as quickly as possible, speeding as fast as they could floor it. One woman who lives there said she thinks the people who put those rocks in the roadway are just making a homemade speed bump. Some of the neighbors in that area say the rocks could do some major damage to the vehicles. And I can tell you firsthand how a relatively small rock on a remote road in Mexico can wreck a car and leave two people stranded, only to be helped out by a nice old Italian man who had a driver available to take these two now-stranded travelers back into town just in the nick of time so they didn't miss their cruise boat jumping on the last tender just as it was leaving the dock. I don't remember that story. (laughs) That was an interesting day, I'll tell you. Anyway, I digress. The neighbors there say they tried to get speed bumps in a couple of years back, but the county denied their request because there's a school on that street, and they claim it would be also a hazard for emergency vehicles trying to go down that street. So to clarify, we're talking about a rock like the size of a computer mouse, not like the target no, no, red no. They, balls. They, probably uh, bigger than a softball. Okay. A little bit bigger than a softball is what these rocks look like. And there were a bunch of them. I mean, we're talking about 25 or so of these these pretty good-sized rocks. I mean, we're not talking about the little river rocks that are part of your landscaping. Are police involved yet in removing these rocks from the roadway? Well, somebody did because somebody came out and removed them. I think it was police that came out because uh, they had these also these cones, you know, the the traffic cones, uh, along with the rocks to try to get people to slow down. But I understand that. I understand it, too. I'm just saying this homeowner thinks they're real slick putting these rocks in the middle of the road, but they're not going to like it very much when they get sued because somebody in, like really messed up their car on the rocks or when one of those rocks gets thrown through the front window of their house because somebody was upset that they threw the rock out there. I just think it's a bad idea, man. Let let the speeding drivers speed. I Really? That was a little too far. Because <laughs> I was considering using spike strips, but that's a little bit too far as well. We did a story not too long ago. A guy got really mad at a speeder on his road, and he took a golf club to the front window of the car. He, like, threw it at the vehicle, and they wound up crashing the car. One person ended up paralyzed as a result of it. That's not good. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that's people taking their lawn do it into their own hands, doing the vigilante uh, speed bump slowdown, and... 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I res- there's other ways to do it, I guess. I respect where they're coming from when you feel like you can't do anything, but there's nothing to be done. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Do you remember the recent worldwide ransomware attack that affected some computer systems? I, I don't think we had any here. I remember it was a big deal around our email chain. Anyway, the thieves didn't collect much, but it was costly for, obviously, computer system operators. It was a really big hassle more than anything. And one computer system that you might not have considered that could be a future target is your car. They rely so much now on computer chips and crazy amounts of computer code to operate, and automakers have transferred more and more of the basic car functions to processors. I mean, just imagine now, when you get in a car, you don't even turn the key to start the car. Everything's just a push button now. So everything is becoming more computerized. And as they've done this, they've neglected to install the same levels of security found in other modern devices like your phones or your laptops. And the problem is going to come when the cars are connected to the Internet, that's where we're really going to start to see more of this this uh, come to fruition. So this guy named Craig Hurst, he's the executive director of the Future of Automa- Automotive Security Technology Research. Easy for me to say. He says, once you connect the car to the Internet, the entire vehicle becomes a threat surface. If the auto industry doesn't adapt, we'll continue to see mistakes and potential vulnerabilities for things like ransomware to take place. I mean... These automakers are not going to get hit by hackers, though, right? You have to think that they're hiring some of the best security professionals out there to make sure that something like this does not happen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Can we take bets on which automaker is going to get hit with it? Are we willing to go that route on this podcast? Ford? Dodge. <laughs> it's Dodge. Like, let's so? be real here. Chrysler? It's Dodge. Oh, I could see that. I, I could see Dodge. I, I mean, realistically, it's probably going to be one of the lower-end ones. Like, I, this seems Hyundai? like something Kia would be a really good target for this. Fiat? I don't know. Fiat. It one, be Fiat. <laughs> one way that ransomware hackers could get into the car is through the apps on the infotainment system that connect to the Internet or through the smartphone app that you can use to control those things in your phone because we have that one, the Nissan Connect one. I, I can listen to Stitcher on my car it has a little stitcher app there it has the pandora app on there right Mm -hmm. so you can connect already consumers might also be tricked into downloading apps that really look like a regular app but they're really malware and it'd just be like clicking on the phishing link on an email it's the same basic idea and when you start to use the app the phony one it installs that malware and then your your phone and vice versa your your car are then hacked and the fbi is issuing a warning to the auto industry to be vigilant about the developing cybersecurity as autonomous vehicles advances and as cars become more and more connected to the Internet. Now listen to this one possible scenario that involves hackers installing malware into a vehicle vehicle's operating system. So let's say they get into the unprotected Internet connection. They get into an app or whatever. And think about this way. They lock out the driver functions. So you get over to your car and then you figure out that you can't open the doors. Or if you get in, the car's not going to start. And then what you do is you see a, a, a flashing on the infotainment system that says you have to pay a ransom to make everything normal again. Right there. Car hacking has been discussed in, in mostly ab- abstract or dramatic ways. 
Uh, but, but the hacker who uses a laptop to take over that the driving functions of a car, you've seen that, right? Right. That that scene plays out in the movie in uh, The Fate and the Furious. So why couldn't it play out with your infotainment system in a malware in a, in a ransomware situation? I'm not somebody who deals with claustrophobia very often, but the idea of getting into my car, getting to my destination, let's say I like park at the work parking lot, yep. and then I try to get out of my car and all the doors are locked and I can't unlock them, and somebody says, you're going to have to pay $1,000 to get out of your car. I'm good, man. That that is legitimately horrifying, right? Yes. And if if all the cars are connected to the internet, they have to be connected. If we're going more in the self uh, driving mode, right? And they're all going to be driving themselves, and they're all going to be connecting and talking to themselves. So once one is infected, does that mean they're all going to get infected? Well, and look, I mean, from a sheer convenience perspective, I'm just going to pay the ransom rather than wait for Dodge to get its thumb out of its butt and figure it out. You know, like I'm, I want out of the car as quickly yes. as possible, more <laughs> yeah. than anything else. Exactly. You know, and so so those those situations could happen, or it, God forbid, then the hackers take it up a level and then start like they do in these in this movie in, in the Fate of the Furious. They actually take your car and you're and, and they're driving you. We've talked about this. I brought this up several months ago that the idea that a hacker just gets into the um, driving system of cars across the country and just makes everybody take a hard right out of the blue. Yeah. And what are you going to do in that situation? You're out of control at that point. Yeah. And then everybody crashes all at the same time. Imagine what kind of emergency response would happen or how it would paralyze an entire city if everybody in their car, because you're all driving, this is 40 years down the road. Yep. Everybody's driving the autonomous cars, and all the cars at one time stop dead where they are. Or they, like you said, all do a hard right and crash. Yep. No matter how, what speed you're going at, where you are, any of that stuff. Who's in the cars? Oh, gosh. So car makers are focusing a lot on the cybersecurity, but they're struggling with how many resources they should devote to fight this risk. The Pause. only There you go. A lot of them. A lot of them. Like, what, what is the struggle? Like, do, devote a lot of resources to cybersecurity. Right. That's what I would think. The only company seriously affected has been Chrysler, which conducted a recall of certain Jeep models after that security ex, uh, uh, vulnerability was exposed in their invita- in infotainment system. The researchers were able to take over the control of steering, acceleration, and braking with that laptop. Now, the Jeeps were later subject to the first ever U.S. hacking safety recall. There you go. See, it's it's already happened. It's already happened. The vulnerabilities aren't aren't new. There's infotainment systems connected to the internet already, unencrypted transmissions between car controllers and flawed software and phone apps and and those unprotected key fobs. It's, it, I mean, it's all a problem. Every car connection to the internet is a potential entry for a hacker. And they say that the potential for hacking incidents that involve the loss of human life Maybe a few more years out as cars become more and more connected and more of those autonomous cars come online than there are right now. But ransomware is is a real near-term threat. You have to wonder if this has already happened. I, I, want, I hate to use Tesla as an example, but, I mean, Tesla would be the one that would be really obvious because a lot of Tesla owners are of a higher income bracket, uh-huh. so they would be the exact sort of people that you would want to target with a ransomware attack. And are these things already happening on a very small scale, and they're just not being reported because people are going directly to the car manufacturer who wants to downplay things? This is all we need, something more to worry about, right? Yep. Something else that's going to potentially kill us, like having too much wine or eating too much red meat. Juggling chainsaws. You can't, you can't practice juggling chainsaws. You just have to know what you're doing on the first time. Wrestling bears. Getting Ebola. I'm basically at this point one step from just saying a word when I'm disturbed by something. Zika. 
Cancer. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Cruise ships. Yep. Vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drones. Yep. Soft cheeses. Why can't they all be hard cheeses? I don't know. That's where I am. That's, that's where my life is right now. I hear you. Blade was my favorite vampire. Underrated. A lot better than Dracula in my book, but that's for another day. We can talk about vampire power rankings. My, my, well, my favorite has got to be the Count from Sesame Street. Uh, 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 I can't even do it. I would. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, he's the best vampire. You're right. He's the only one that's been out today. You're right. I was, I was totally wrong. I mean, there you go. Well, it about sums up this podcast. This, this has gone in all kinds of weird ways, hasn't it? Vampire power rankings. I mean, Kevin we've talked skunks, skunks. we've talked, yeah, all kinds of soft cheeses. Soft cheeses. Softest of the cheeses. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for supporting. We will be back again next time. And until then, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm the producer, Joseph Peters. Be safe and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.